Hey everybody, I'm just one of these contemplators. This is Tevo Diarshi of Tevo Creative Leadership. Feel free to write me an email at, at tclcreativeleader at gmail.com if you want to ask a question, find out about this. You know, I've, I've always been a contemplator. I examine, you know, if I'm in a ministry and I love the Lord's people, and that's why I'm saying this. It really concerns me that I've had to really address and that I've gotten the call to address a lot of unhealthy things that are unclean, that make Jesus' house look like he's blaming, accusing, he's biased, he's racist, he's misogynist. When that is so far from the truth, I could tell countless examples, including my own father who was Baptist and white and wasn't a racist. I can tell countless examples of healthy males, healthy Christians, healthy all kinds and colors because I've been with them all, all my life as the Lord has sent me. It's just that when I keep encountering things, when you're trying to be enjoying the presence of the Lord, visit another ministry, let's say you have your own work. So, you know, you just go in there thinking all Christians are like your dad, a real Christian, and they're not biased or not suspicious or they don't have evil doctrine in their good doctrine. And that's the case. You can have really great doctrine in some teachings, and then they can have an undercurrent of spooky, clubbish, even cultish and I hate to say it among witch-watching groups, which is, who to want to think like this? Um, that subterfuge, you know, emotional, mental, us against them, paranoia. It's, it's really awkward and not fun, especially if you're, you know, want to love them and you're sent maybe to be on their helper or, you know, give them another point of view if they're all inbred. White state, only white. I can give them a diverse encouragement how to do it. So anyway, when I'm thinking and pondering, it's taken me years and decades to really get this far to think I could be this bold. I really ought to address it for the sake of the nation, the Eli Temple priesthood at the helm of all these mega big personalities in different states. And yet I don't mean to be ugly because some of them are great quality and fine. They just need to tweak a lot of things. And so I think of healthy people. I want you to know that, but I still got to do it. I don't know why. I guess I'm just fascinated. My mother raised me beside her at like five years old, and we watched together Perry Mason reruns, those black and whites, and they're very, very well done. You might want to look at some and because they teach you to pay attention to every nuance, every phrase, every flinch of the eyebrow. <laughs> And then my mom and I both liked mysteries. I don't do that now, but it's like I grew up with this detective and it turned out to be a prophetic seer, but it's not, it's never been evil, looking for evil. I don't have to look for evil. All I do is if the Lord says go, I go because I can attend the service, get refreshed, uh, stand on the promises of God or, or just be there for good, you know, word of the Lord. And then out of the blue, these things happen. These things have found me. And I've been chosen to summon myself, not be a victim, but to forgive and also study what's going on. And the Lord had said years ago, if you see it, like a prophet, if you see it, that hurts my name or hurts people two times or more, I mean, excuse me, one or two times, ignore it. It's a fluke. But if you see it, if I let you see it three times or more, then you are to train on it assertively, and I am. So this kind of whelp stuff, this kind of prison house of mind strongholds, uh, un whatever this is, bigotry, character assassinating, control, no dialogue, never relate, just own or control with their 
whatever that's going on, doctrine, legalism, maybe putting fear on people because of the spooky side, you know, the culture side. So what we don't want is them to suffer. We don't want any of these to suffer, uh, incur God's wrath. He's ready. He is judging now. And so it says in the Bible, if we repent, you can avoid judgment. And I hope a lot of these will. I'm not sure all of them because I've been around in the deep, deep South Dallas a lot. I cannot say, you know, that we will not see things happen. But I do for the people that I really care about that we ask for God's protection on everybody. But not to be spooky or fearful, but just to be aware that it's a time of real repentance in the houses of God, the ministry houses, the Eli Temple, a priesthood is what I never wanted to know about. And in Dallas, especially far and wide, I kept running into this thing that I would trigger it and else it'd be really typecasting a bias or immune or, you know, just really asleep at the wheel, dull of discerning. And the Lord showed me about the busy, busy, busy high priest the one that typecasts to save time and emotional energy because he's depleted and he'd usually been around, seen too much, and he sees the lone woman, which I appeared as the lone woman, even though I'm not always alone. Uh, and I was a symbol. I didn't know it. I didn't want to be. I've never been a women's type person. I'm a person person. My ministry is not a women's lib. I never needed to be lived because my parents who are Christians raised me not under the law. So when I get around this gentrification, this do-gooding and the cloak of aristocracy and I mean, it's almost like pagan stuff because it's so anti-Christ. It's not the true Christ. It's the European or the Roman patrician aristocracy power club price christ that is not authentic that's not genuine if you read the new testament genuine new christ genuine new testament christ if you read the bible which i encourage everyone especially if you're under the law you read jesus when he was alive in ministry with his mother mary in the region personally family and read it through the eyes of jesus's relationships in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how every relationship he acted and reacted and then say, am I doing that? Is that legalism? Was Jesus legalistic? No. Was he ever accusing? No. Was he ever diminishing to a female or any other person? No. Was he respectful to everybody? Yes. Was he equal opportunity respectful? Yes. Even if the female, this is a huge example for white, maybe all colors. Of the misogyny invested in the Pharisee Levitical background of the law hypocrites. When Jesus Christ, who was Middle Eastern, brown skinned, Sephardic Jew, when he was there, he triggered. He would walk through the area trying to mind his own business, do the father's business, get the job done. And you know, the devil, the adversary hated that. He wanted to spoil the plan of the community, of the body of Christ, of the national transforming global worldwide ministry. So they had this hate speech group, this hate group, and they didn't, they look so good. They look so polished and perfumed and quaffed and everybody's hair in place and they did it the right way. They knew how to get the law and work it. And they knew how to pomp and circumstance to make the people think, man, they know more than we, you know, we got to follow them no matter what they say, these Pharisees. And the Pharisees took a lot of collections. 
So the Pharisees had their system down. And if anybody rankled them, they accused the person to get them diminished, unpopular, disfavored, and blackballed because it was a spiritual battle, eternal battle. This is an eternal battle I'm on. Not my business, not about white or black. It's about this spirit that troubles wealth. But really it is going back. Let's trace it. When Jesus Christ, the Messiah, walked about doing good in a man's earth suit, planter of the Christian church, nobody announced him. He looked like he'd come up from poverty. He had been raised by maybe a single ma uh, a woman out of wedlock because they didn't know about the virgin birth and all that story, his backstory. So he was cooped up in this tiny area. I've been over there where everybody read and everybody knew his business and so, of course, the rumors flew and the Pharisees rankled and the Pharisees plotted. But whenever Jesus went around to try to do what the Father said to do, no secret agenda, no malice toward anybody, not trying to puff his ministry, not trying to be a white ministry or a black ministry, but a global ministry, that's when the old spirit of the terrorist came up, the old accuser. He rankled whelp. Well, for some reason, they were the whelp, the Pharisees. So I've studied. God has taught me. I, I mean, these just drop in my heart one day. I don't even come up with it. Only God has taught me this. All right. So I realized that when I looked at the Eli Temple, I priesthood that was misogynist, used and abused women. Eli tolerated it. Good old boys. Boys will be boys network. And it was about the time, and he accused the lone woman, also like stereotypes, they were jaded, hugely biased, jaded, controlling into the wrong carnal flesh of the priesthood. So when the Lord gave me that eight to ten years ago, maybe more, and I started to examine it, and then I realized, wow, that was right before Ichabod. God called nation national judgment on his own priest, which is now, right now. Also, he used an unknown prophet that nobody knew, not a mega prophet, not a face that you'd recognize or name, but a person out of the blue that was a nameless, faceless prophet, which I like, you know, can handle that, who came out and gave a national word of warning to the Elihe priesthood. And that's what I did. I, I didn't know I do it. It's to the whelp, Western European Levitical Patriarchism. Males and females, if you feel the shoe fits. Maybe there's some of you that don't need this. Maybe there are a lot of you more than I ever would have dreamed around the area and the nation that need this as Christians. This is to the Christian ministry, supposedly abiding in the vine Christian ministry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we look at the difference between the Eli priesthood, who are LP, and we trace all the different things about the Pharisees, the lost first love lampstand, overworked, hardened, lost first love lampstand that was threatened by God in Revelation 2. The church of Ephesus, the mighty hardworking church of Ephesus had lost his first love. And God said, if you don't repent, I'm going to take you out. Your lampstand's going to be gone. That has been what I keep getting for all these last 10 years, 8 to 10 years about this. The temple I priesthood that you see today that are risen up and so righteous, whether red state or purple state or blue state or anybody, that didn't mean you're going to be there, especially with pandemics and shutdowns and could be 
you know, and we say God forbid, because I believe this depends right now on the Eli priesthood and the mega priesthood a lot more than we thought. In the natural, with what's going on with the um, church, state of the church in America, the diseased state of the church in America, refusing to acknowledge it needs to really get repented over its bias, chauvinism as well, misogyny as well in ministry, as well as racism, get off its big self and onto the Holy Spirit, the Holy Lord. I believe that, you know, God forbid, and I'm not calling it forth, but people have written me lately, did you know that because of the situation with our new kind of government, we could have, they were saying it could have, don't link your faith on this, <laughs> please, double-digit inflation like Venezuela. I had people that I knew and had Thanksgiving with two years ago in Texas who were relatives in Venezuela. They were eating nothing. The relatives in America had to send them money to eat on. And these are educated, educated people. And I'm not laying that on everybody who's only a red state. Eli Temple, priesthood, Levitical patriarch or matriarch. Not at all. I'm laying it on me. What about myself? What about all the rest? Black and white. But I'm saying it's the humility. You know, there's a lot of patricianism and ego and elevation and a lot of dark skin as well as white. And there are a lot of pure dark skin and white. Elevated is not sin. I'm not accusing it. I'm saying the fruit that trickles down to the grassroots of haughty, you know, resistance and lost its first love is the big thing. So when I speak, I speak to the body of Christ, the Christian people within this nation who have an ear to hear, fear of the Lord, a fervency for the days are short, their virgins prepared with their lamps with oil for the eternal purpose in Jesus comes soon, but also to get people really ready, really right, including themselves. We ourselves before the Lord comes, or it's too late. So the word is to the temple high priesthood, and all those who will hear, let them hear. If not, that's their choice. But it started. We look at the Pharisees. All right, so we have the Eli temple high priesthood and their fruit. Read that. We have the lost first love lampstand, Revelation 2, lost first love, better watch it, could be gone. And we have the temple Pharisees of the New Testament. Many years ago, in the last decade, I was troubled and troubled and troubled about what I was, the charismatic fruit, because you couldn't, didn't want to affiliate. It wasn't safe. It was toxic. And so we forgave them. It's not forgiving. It's a spirit. All right. So when I would get with the Lord, he'd give me these scriptures, Eli, and, you know, all these things, a puzzle piece. So when I was there, I thought, man, therefore the grace of God go we all. You know, really, I have to say that. But we can pray and love people and respect them enough to tell them in advance to watch out. So when I noticed the difference that Jesus would walk in and he'd trigger the Pharisee accusation. And when I'm sent, and if there's a whelp spirit, a demonic spirit tolerated in the house, I will make it, it right. It, I trigger it. It's done that way since Virginia. It's done that way in North Carolina. It's done that way in South Carolina. It's done that way in Texas. It, and I didn't even know about it. It didn't really, get, it's a lot of that everywhere that's a spirit-filled type of 
tongue-talking that has that misogyny, Levi, the tribe of Levi, core of woman-hating, disrespect for the mother, because Levi, the father of the tribe we've heard so many good things about, he, if you research the bitter roots of Levi, the troubled roots, he was the middle child of six. And he was the middle child, which have identity issues right there. But he was the wife of Leah, which was Jacob. His, his uh, first wife, Leah, who had been, he had been tricked into marrying named Leah. She wasn't attractive and he really wasn't like, he didn't really like her. And he loved the other wife, Rachel, more, the second wife. And so therefore there was this rivalry and fighting of dysfunction and chaos in that house, that troubled house where Levi grew up. And because he had identity issues, he saw his own mother disrespected and demeaned, put down by his father probably. He grew up with sort of a resentment against women, a big deal. Well, then later when they are grown, he and his brother Lee, uh, Simeon, Levi roots, then they are known for their murderous tempers. And when the sister, one of the only sister of Levi was raped by the prince of another next door, you know, state, a next door tribe, even though the fathers, the patriarchs got everything worked out because the man really liked and loved Dinah, the prince did, he wanted to marry her and the patriarchs didn't want to have bloodshed of their kin. So they worked it out where everything was fine. They're going to get married. Everything will be over. Well, the usurping, undermined, cantankerous and evil Levi at that time in his life, he was so full of the chaos and dysfunction of his family and his, you know, mindsets, a minefield that he and his brother went over, tricked went behind the father's back, tricked the family, the, all the men in the tribe of the prince into getting circumcised. They, he, he lied and he said, unless you, unless you all get circumcised men, you will not be allowed. Your brother cannot marry my sister Dinah. Now, was that true? No, that was false. That was behind sneaky, which is symbol. Oh, it's symbol. It is so like this, the whelp spirit in certain many groups, too many. Uncertain and secure can be very mean, very retaliatory. It's a spirit. So we see that the tribe wanted the wanted the man to marry the daughter, so they all did what they said. And so they all got circumcised, and then in three days, when it was so, they were all sore and couldn't fight. That's when e Levi and Simeon went over and murdered and slaughtered the tribe. That is the back story of the tribe of Levi. So when I call it Levitical patriarchism or matriarchism, it has fruit in that. It's not fair fruit. When I teach on the difference between the Pharisees. And the Levi Temple I priesthood with Levitical fruit, it's also similar. Backbiting, undermining, accusing, character assassination, and misogynist. When you talk of whelp today, everything fits right down the pike from Levi to the character assassination to the behind the back, avoiding relationship, impure. So we look at the temple in the New Testament. 
during my studies, the Lord allowed me grace to know that the Edomites, who were part of Jacob and Esau, and Esau is the fleshly corrupt one. Jacob is where the 12 tribes of Judah come from. Jacob turned into, with his heart purified, he turned into Isaac, and he had 12 sons, which are the nation of Israel. That's good. So we still have Esau, the carnal Esau. And if you look at the prophets throughout the Old Testament, you can see Obadiah, for example, warning the leaders, warning the mature leaders of God's house, repent from idols and pride and all these things that are going on, false gods, false religion, repent. And he mentioned in Obadiah, which I wrote on, the Edomite priesthood, the Edomites were trying to infiltrate the normal Aaronic and Jerubbabel, all that priesthood. It is my theory, because I read something about it, but I'm sort of adding in a little extra. The scholar that I read about the, you know, some of this when I found said that, that this carnal type of mentality which was into now infiltrating even the government leaders of the God's people, the nation of Israel, also the priesthood, was transforming it now into the Belial or whatever the, the demonic or hireling priesthood. So my conjecture was based on Malachi. When you look at Malachi, which precedes the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence, no Bible canon, you can see that it appears that that Edomite effect in the priesthood was affecting the national ministry. And it parallels to right now. Too weird. So I thought, you know, if you read the book of Malachi and you look at, you know, we hear a lot of things, mostly the tithe. Yeah, money, money. We hear the tithe message. That is all we ever know in a charismatic movement, basically, is that God will rebuke the devourer. God will give you back more. And we want that in, in a holy fashion. But I read, I took time to read the whole chapters. Four, only four. Read them yourself. It is more than that. God warns the priests. He said, you know, he warned the priests about a couple of things. Because one of these, chapter two, really identifies with me. It says, why, priest, are you here crying for blessing at the altar when your wife that you forced to get a divorce... You abandoned her and chose to say, I divorce you, the wife of your youth, and now you're crying for blessing. And that happened to me. That's why I identify with that. That was the kind of divorce, you know, it was. It was like ambush, ambush. And so I think a lot of people have no clue about anybody in ministry's real backstory. They don't want to take the time or trouble to find out. They could if they just called. So here we have the priest clamoring for more. He'd, you know, he disavowed. He broke his vows in marriage to his wife. He was corrupt. All the warning in there. And then the final priestly warning, in my opinion, is God warns the priests of his own people in the nation. His, you know, let's say the Christians of today, parallel. He'd say, you say, you are my messenger. Well, I'm going to send my messenger and he's going to fill the gate, the temple. My messenger is going to fill the temple. And that, to me, alludes to the prophecy for Christ, who came and displaced the Pharisees, the accuser, unloving Pharisees. All right. 
So when we go and we look at the missing, this is my opinion now, the missing 400 years, 10 generations of Bible canon, when no word of the Lord except the Apocrypha, which is not Bible canon, was ever recorded, it is my opinion that I submit as a Selah that that Belial, that means that hireling, that Esau, Edomite effect in the priesthood was really getting strong, very strong, sort of saturating and permeating it, giving them time to be tested as leaders during that quiet time. But when they kick out on the new, when the new day comes in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus comes, that priesthood that represents the temple, the Pharisees, the elite Pharisees, have got their system down are the hirelings, the Eli Edomites, with only a minor remnant like Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. That is my opinion. Because one of the scholars said that the Edomites were in the Pharisees, but it was the, the hirelings, but so is Herod the king who killed all the babies. So there's a lot of money, 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 position and power in a lot of this. A whole lot of this. So I just say, after the last few, I assess, if I get unjustly accused, gossiped about, character assassinated, which I know I have, and I have some proof here and there, but I don't have to deal with it in my business. It's their deal, not mine. So I think if I get character assassinated, if I get never consulted, never called up, never confronted, in all these years ever and I try to confront and they avoid you know that's another thing but I think what's really going on in the name of Christ following so I look at the Pharisees that's why and I think well the more people because I've been in grassroots where they have two to five you know two to under 200 a lot and then mega ministry in my life I've been around and so I noticed you know if they are really Pharisees calling everybody a false prophet gossiping around all this stuff usually they have false teaching mega or micro false teaching and phariseeism are hand in hand and then when you look at them closely they're always after money they really want to be elevated and mega and they're micro but they really are really big on themselves they're really bigger than they should be in their pomp and ceremony, in their collections, in their needing to know all about everybody, ego plus need for power, and what do you call it, the aristocratic Roman patrician part of false ministry. Anybody who's Roman patrician, it's, you know, I'm not trying to make everyone evil, but I'm saying we got to temper this down to be a real Christian. Not so ostentatious. I think you got to be not a Pharisee, not a patrician, not a, you know, parrot of everybody else's word, get your own. But there's a lot of things that are happening now that are great if we just don't ruin it. And I'm t you know, all of us. If we don't let the flesh and just the accepted traditions of men that are popular right now, especially we centric culture in the, in the uh, aloof and aristocratic whelp, so, um, so we go to the Pharisees because in the whelp, and I'm a trigger of whelp, I get the seer, avoidant, pursuant, evil eye. 
it is, I show up, it looks like they've seen a harlot. It looks like they've seen the Jezebel, the devil himself. Somebody come in. I know them because I know it before the start. I saw them doing it anyway. Seen it around the nation. It's so anti-Christ. It's so junior ministry. Even if they're senior, mega, or minor, it's junior ministry. Who does that? Who needs to do it if you know the Lord? I don't. So I was like, man, why am I this target, Lord? Why do I... Why can't I just sit there and it doesn't show up if it's in a ministry? And the Lord said, it's because you're my prophet. You're just seeing what I see. This is a disease that hurts people in a lot of places and, and makes them look that I'm this high and mighty potentate and white. So I think, all right, Lord, let's go for it. When we go, we find out God gives you talk. He talks to you and reveals so I watched, I thought, if they're always calling women Jezebels, if they're always easily spooked with a white woman calmly showing up, whose dad was a pastor, has been a minister and apostle for many years, hey, what's in their bathwaters? What's in the doctrinal bathwaters is my question. So then I noticed certain kites are elevated, certain kites are preferred, some not. You know, I picked the clues up through the years. And then I just saw the Pharisee factor. I knew my own experiences owed to whelp at the top of online Pharisee. Online Pharisee. Online. <laughs> we went online because of the Pharisees. Onlinefellowship.us, owed to whelp, shows the terrible character of traits, the terrible fruit of living around the gossiping Pharisees at the local level where I used to live and could live, but I preferred to be away. And um, it happened to many people. I knew at least 30 in my first state when I started ministry. And one man, the rest were white women who were really nice. So I think low self-esteem is a poverty. Low self-esteem Feeling like you're less than makes you prouder and more puffed up and need to have a title and need to be the a capital A famous worldwide thing. And that is your issue. you got to work on that. So by grace, I didn't come up like that. Look at the Pharisees. So of course, all this, all this stuff, false focus on, on dark stuff like, oh, they're Jezebels. He's a Jezebel. He's a witch. She's a witch. All this accusation in the grassroots, minor grassroots, major, out in the stands of the major, you know, all this is out there and the Lord is calling me to see it. And I don't want to. So I think I'm going to you know, see if I'm a Jezebel, if I get stared at and somebody's speaker, I'm sitting there in an assembly of God pastors, an older guy, and he comes and he's preaching at a meeting as a guest speaker. And I'm sitting there quietly trying to recuperate and in James 3.17 fruit like usual. Because I have my own ministry, but because I am have whatever it is that triggers whelp, if that spirit is there, he'll look at me and he'll say, God has sent Jezebels to infiltrate our audiences. If that didn't get you in your spirit as a seer, then you're stupid. So it isn't like I haven't forgiven a boatload, but it isn't like I missed the truth of real life in the stands and seats in the congregations of the United States with the accuser of the brethren, the mother and the sister and the peer when I have a lot of love and all they want is a stereotype, a religious stereotype. Okay. And use it. And they're only white. <laughs> These are only white. So I type caps them back and 
usually they're pretty, I think, pretty country raised. Now they're maybe sophisticated, educated. Maybe they got their own big ministry or a little teeny ministry. But a lot of it still has to do with TV-affected portrayal of ministry. The form, which is void. <laughs> it's a form which is void of real-life love and relationship and E-O-R-R, -R, real respect. Keep this out for your training, please. All right, so we look at the Pharisees. I thought, you know, because of this, I'm an expert. I am now an expert on theology because of all this. I'm an expert, a doctrinal maven. That means a connoisseur of theology, of relationships from Adam and Eve, males and females, Paul and the silent woman. I'm an expert on both Jezebel passages, on the witch, what a real witch is. Why are we so scared? I'm a witch expert because they've been called it gossiped about as one never confronted to find out if it's so because they're so weak whelp not black black get me they're fine baptists get me who cares they're not into that sordid evil stuff but it made me you know it's sort of interesting it's so weird but i don't want to major in it but i didn't know i would because <laughs> i had to give a word to the whelp nation right now that's why Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Uh, ironic. <laughs> so I'm on my, hopefully I'm the next page. I really feel out of it. I'm not going to be frequenting around whelp if I don't have to do it. Arrogant whelp in the area if I don't have to. I would certainly love to work out their doctrinal issues and we would be fine. I'm okay with them really. But I'm not going to be just their nasty stereotype in their cast. I'm not going to be another type. <laughs> I'm not going to be another type in their cast. <laughs> I'm sorry. you got to have fun on these things as well. Um, I'm not going to be a link. <laughs> I'm not going to be a link in their chain. <laughs> or a type in their cast. A disease type in their kid. <laughs> oh my. I don't think they have a funny bone in their body. <laughs> That's why I need a little bit of a dose of other kinds, vineyard, word of faith, my own family that were positive when you deal with all this. All this angst, ministry unnecessarily angst ridden. Anyway. Bless them. I feel sorry for them. They must have been raised poor. That's all I think. So back to the Pharisees. If I, you know, I had such a great dad, a one woman man. So are the men in the family, the general family. I don't remember anyone not being, I'm not being a one woman man. So I grew up thinking that's a standard for every man in Christ, worship leaders, pastors, that are mature, I really do. Nobody was all red state. I don't remember thinking, you know, we're religiously right. I didn't do that. It's like whoever's got the vote, we feel that the Lord is, you know, a conscience says we vote that. So when I was forced because of the evil eye, the evil speaking, to think, well, am I that evil creature that they've never talked to in person, never cared to relate to, but they're branding me, I'm being gossiped, you know, I'm putting it out that I am on their list, because I had proof, you know, long ago. It's pitiful. But I speak for the every person, I speak for the general Christian, and I speak for Christ, 
who wants his children to be safe, his mothers to be safe. He wants people who show up alone to be safe. He wants there to be not a dichotomy of the in crowd, the out crowd. That's Satan himself. All right. So we look at <clears throat> Pharisees and we look at other things. I've given you scriptures. I can't go into it. But I think, how do we trace the whelp nation back to the United States? Puritans were whelp. Getting off the boat, some were wonderful and fine, admirable role models. The others had warped spiritual theology where they saw witches and used spectral vibes, spectral evidence, Google spectral evidence, which they submitted at the, at, you know, their vibes and dreams and nightmares about these women to have the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts. So there's been an ought against females in this LP stuff all along, going back to Pharisees. So I look at the Pharisees, they're shepherding and the, you know, all that stuff, tracing down. There's different ones that are LPs and different prophetic movements that are fountainheads, some legalistic different things. But the main Pharisees, the accuser of the, everybody, Pharisees, but the accuser of the female, my favorite illustration, which I've said before, here is Jesus, not a misogynist, respected as Mother Mary, not a big eye kind of preacher, a, grill, a really good role model, actually. Here he was sitting there one day, and the old trigger Pharisees come up to Jesus, a whole bunch of them, and they throw a woman. They caught a woman in adultery. And, of course, that made them joyful. So they went over to see what Jesus would do. So they threw the woman down in adultery and said, Jesus... Here she is. And so they waited to see what Jesus would do. Well, of course, Jesus was smart. And he waited, drew in the sand while he heard from Dad up in heaven how to handle all this. So he looked at the group of men, the Pharisees, presenting themselves as such postures of community, decent cleanliness and holy righteousness. And Jesus just said, the Messiah said, which one of you have never sin you be the one that casts the first stone and it is my opinion that that was the most amazing question jesus could have asked that righteous bunch of men because it implies which one of you have never lusted which one of you men have never committed adultery which one of you men have never fornicated outside of marriage and not a one of them could lift a stone they slunk away and said, me, that is a Pharisee, LP, big, Eli Temple, I priesthood, major issue, major issue. The other part is LPs never, they let the men off. They don't bring both the man and the woman to be stoned. They only go after the female, the Salem witch trials. Hey, where are the men? Only there's aught against woman. What about the Puritan book by Nathaniel Hawthorne, the Scarlet Letter? Who had to wear the demeaning Scarlet Letter after the adulterous fair? It was a female. Let us find out how many people are equal opportunity respecting the female and loving her equally, respecting her in marriage counseling when there's a the divorce at your church with single mothers and single grandparents raising their children. I know so. About singles who are never married. What about the weeping, abused, silent, grieving woman that comes that's been 
practically murdered the day before she came to your church and she doesn't look good. She doesn't look healthy. She looks like she's dependent. But are you the creepy, mean, old Eli Hay priesthood who puts her down even further and demeans her and says, you know what, she brought it on herself. Those women are weak. She's just a weak, will, overly emotional woman. She's just, you know, lazy loafer. And here she's been trying to survive to keep her children safe, herself safe, and there's no mercy, no compassion. It's the Eli Temple Office Compassion High Priest Priesthood, the empathy-free elite. And over time, they've dulled down, they've gone backwards because they refuse, like the sins of Sodom. Google, Google the sins of Sodom. I think it's Ezekiel 4, 49, something like that. It says God was brought judgment and took people out because of the sins of Sodom. It just wasn't the sexual part. It was that the people despised the poor. They had removed themselves in the Christian area, the religious area, from intermingling with the poor. Therefore, they had gotten detached and immune and looked down on them. They were haughty. But they didn't even think about, they thought they were a bother to them, the least of these. And that is where you are. That is where the impure you are if you are like that. I'm going to close. This is Apostle Tavo Diarsi, lowercase a, Galatians 1, 1 through 2. I, like Paul, like Paul, I'm an apostle sent out by Jesus Christ. I and the brothers that are with me. And I'm the kind with lowercase letters that is a person apostle, not a woman's apostle, not a man. I'm a human's apostle sent out by God to test and try all these different styles. But I'm there as an off-scouring. Paul himself was servant leader, wrote in lowercase letters, no capital A, capital, that's I am. So that he could move around the different styles of ministries and encourage and uplift and train, which is me, cross-body unity. But he wasn't an elaborate, elite, bow and scrape to me and please me type. If we look at Galatians 1, 1 and 2, Paul says, I'm not sent out by any one man. I'm not sent out by any one group. I'm sent out by the Father so nobody can control me. They can't buy me. I can say what the Father needs me to say and make it plain. All right. Then he says, I'm not alone. There are other people, the brothers that are with me. But because Paul wasn't controlling, he didn't say, yes, I am the overseer over those brothers. I own them. They are under me. No, Paul doesn't, which is more my style. I and the brothers and sisters, surely they're mothers and family members, <clears throat> that are with me, collaboring on a team, collectively, like a community, sharing, everybody equal, everybody diverse, not being a big I, little you, owning people, slave drivers, or anything like that. So I'm doing it that way. I'm called like this by God's grace. So if you feel you want to be on part of this, you know, the community that I'm growing, that I'm trying to grow, and you can be online, you can be on app, you can be in real life around Charlotte, Fort Mill, that area, I'm open. It is time now, now that the whelp chapter of history is drawn to a close with this message, it is now freedom for myself from whelp, though I love and respect certain ones, many ones, if they get their bias gone against me or anybody else. 
I can still relate to everybody, enjoy them, have fun, be friends, community members, but I've got to do my thing, what the Lord has been wanting me to have. It's more diverse and prophetic and just being yourself, helping the community. So if you feel that you are sent, chosen by God to be like a casual network of sharing, Ezekiel 1, the wheel, divine appointment only, divine appointment ministry, I'm not over you, cannot say that I am over you, that you are collaborating with me maybe over time, and I will mentor. I feel like I'm supposed to mentor and save you some trouble, especially with Levitical patriarchism or legalism or bias, if you need to pick my brain. So just let me know. But we now, you know, I've, you know, the Lord and I, we laugh like an inventor. And I'll come up with the phrase, you know, I guess it was God or me. It's like, oh, you troubler of the house of whelp. Tevo, you trigger whelp. Oh, Tevo, you troubler of the house of whelp. They just want to be left alone. They want to be immune. They don't want to think about anything except their day. And I thought, well, I don't mind doing it. I don't mind troubling the whelp. They've certainly troubled a lot of others, including myself, through the years. And I mean greatly. They've troubled families. They've troubled a lot of people. And God knows it. So that's why he says, the whelp, your reign is over. Your supreme, only you are the ones that is right, is over. And we can love you and say it like that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. God bless you. He loves you. This is Tavo DRC signing off for now.